Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Hello. What's happening, Derek? I'm flying solo this week. This morning, the Siobhan and the kids went camping. Without you. Yes. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yep. So they're off camping. They got set up. Nice little, what is it? It's a walk-in campsite at Silent Lake. Oh, so they didn't take the motorhome? No. No. She won't drive it. Why? Too big. <laughs> That's the worst that can happen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So they're they're at Silent Lake this week. Uh, got a couple of feedback from them, and so it's going well. Just the three of them? Yep. Just the three of them. Yeah. I know. We lived out in uh, Cold Lake, Alberta. The all the families would get together and go somewhere, and then the husbands would go home, <laughs> go back, go back home, and work all week, and yeah. then show up the following weekend again, and yeah, yeah, yeah. help pack yeah. up and and leave. And I thought about doing that because. Uh, Darling Provincial Park is really close to home and work. Mm-hmm. I, we could set up camp. I could go f- to work every day from Darlington. <laughs> that would work. Right? Yeah. A buddy of mine, did, he used to do that, him and his wife. They, they'd go there and he'd just go to work from Darlington. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, you you went to the dentist today too. I did. We are worried you are going to come in here with your face hanging off. <laughs> I can't talk to well because my face is yeah. swollen. It was, it was, uh, my, I had trouble focusing one of my eyes. My eye was, uh, all numb and everything. Like it was <laughs> half of my head, like my ear, I couldn't let my ear was all numb. My eyeball was numb. It's like, wow, he really nailed me. See? That's, <laughs> yeah. That's another reason to stay away from doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I went to the uh, eye doctor yesterday. Oh yeah? Yeah. Cause I had to renew my prescription there and he goes, Ooh, you haven't been here since 2020. Really? Because time flies, right? Because, yeah. you know, that's, that's all I think about every day is, when did I go to the doctor? I know, last? right? Yeah. And he goes, yeah, your your prescription is probably not going to be as good as it was. You'll probably have to get a new prescription and da, da, da. Yeah, no, exactly the same. <laughs> no change. <laughs> no change. <laughs> We're good. Uh, what a waste of my time. I had other <laughs> things to do. Yeah. But... Yeah, we're getting to that age, I guess. Cool. And we got a special guest here today. Yes, she's doing around. She. Hey. Uh, I was trying not to encourage her, so I didn't pet her when she came up to me. Yes, Athena is in the room this evening. In the house. Making her, making her rounds. And it's her birthday. Uh, well, not today. Well, so when this airs, it would have been like... Yesterday. Yesterday. But we're recording Tuesday. So yeah. her birthday is Wednesday. Yeah. August uh, 2nd. Yeah. She... I found so all the training that I've done with her yeah. has always just been me and her. You had somebody in, in the, the canoe. Seat. I saw that. Post. So Ariana <laughs> came out see. with us. She almost tipped. Now, knock on wood. Yeah, <laughs> I have never, ever in my entire life tipped. Yeah. a canoe. Mm-hmm. Six times we almost <laughs> tipped. Six times. Yeah. Oh, because she'd be sitting there watching, and then all of a sudden she'd stand up and move yeah. completely to the other side of the boat. Everything goes to, leans yeah. to one side. Yeah. And, of course, Ariana's up front not knowing what's going on, so she's trying to overcompensate, and I'm trying to... Yeah. So then we're going the other way. And then, yeah, oh, man. It's, it was it was like that constantly with, uh, with Mike Burns and Willow. She yeah, would, she, we if we got too close to shore somewhere, she'd run to that side of the boat where the shore side was. She loves running through the forest. Yeah, and so I, I'm in the bow mo- normally with Mike, and uh, and I can't see what's happening, so I can't prepare for it. Right. So suddenly I feel the boat go whoa. I'm like uh, you know trying to stabilize the boat, and Willow was like looking at something in the forest, and it's like what's going on? Yeah, and it's a, it's like oh. so originally she was right behind the bow seat. So I ended up kneeling and bringing her over the yoke oh, to right yeah, yeah. in front of me. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we were paddling for two hours and my feet were tucked under the seat. Oh. And like to the point where at the end I couldn't even feel my feet. <laughs> and then you're, you're getting out and you're just like, oh man. Like if we had tipped, yeah, I don't know if I would have been able to move my legs to, stay, to, to tread water. <laughs> what is I can't move my legs. But yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's yeah. the, I never thought about that. I that's mean, the enjoyment of having a dog in a canoe. Uh, you know what? Like I say, when it's just her and I, <laughs> yeah. no problems. 
because she can just sit there and look around. But yeah. because somebody's in front of her, she's trying to look on one look side. Over her, then yeah. she's trying to look over the other side. And it's like, just <laughs> lie down. Because, you know, she's worried she can't see stuff. But yeah. if you're lying down, your head's high enough that you can see. Yep. Or even if you're mm-hmm. just sitting down. Yeah. Right? And then, of course, okay, well, I'm going to sit. On one side, yes, yes, as yes. close to the edge as possible. <laughs> so even with us sitting on the other side, it's still like, oh, I can't paddle like this. <laughs> so you're trying to move her around, and she doesn't know what like, she doesn't know what's going on, right? You just put your butt here, and then finally get her in perfect position. We start paddling, and then something catches her eye, so she shifts. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> So the trick is to put your dog in a straight jacket <laughs> or a duffel bag with just her head sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> our our old dog Hunter used to just lay down. Yeah. Yeah. Lay down, put her chin on the yoke or the gunnel and just yeah. observe. Yeah. Right? Wasn't that big of a deal. But. She will eventually, I'm sure. She's still a oh, puppy. Yeah. But my my thing is if we get a couple of big packs in there. It'll stabilize it, yes. Hopefully. It does. But where's she gonna go? <laughs> well, that and that's hard, tough. Like with uh, with Willow, we had to like all the the packs went like the the barrel of the pack went to the back, and then there was a big opening right mm-hmm. behind me in the canoe, and then so Willow would be in there with uh, like a little piece of blue padding and a and an old bed sheet or something, and and so she was. But it, it's you feel more stable when there's some mm-hmm. weight in the canoe, and she's you know jumping. Well, from I side think to that side. was it because we were we were totally empty. Yeah, right? we we're exactly. just out for a, a morning. Paddle yeah, so you're not drafting any water. You don't have enough weight. Yeah. So you add like 150 pounds of pack and. Right, so yeah. there's two packs and plus all the extra. Gear. But even thinking, like, even if she laid across the top of the packs, yeah, right? yeah, that would work too. If you put some pad, that's where uh, Jim Baird's uh, dog Buck 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 used to sit up on top mm-hmm. of the packs. Yeah. yeah, she'll get used to. She'll find some place mm-hmm. and get used she'll to. She'll find her preferred spot. But, oh man, I thought we were going over. Yeah. I thought we were, we're we're like five feet from the dock. Yeah, I, well, that's just how we're gonna die. <laughs> we're going in. Yeah. This, so how was how was paddling? I don't want to talk about it. The dog broke my thirty-five year record of no dumping. <laughs> I've dumped a lot. Like on flat water, I only dumped a couple of times, and that's because we were playing and practicing mm-hmm. how to recover. And but. I've dumped a lot in whitewater. <laughs> wow. That's a given. It happens That's all the time. That's just a given. But yeah, it's, yeah, I, I just, I almost. <sighs> anyway, she's, uh, she's getting used. But yeah, for the most part of the time we were out there, she was, she found a spot and would sit there. And then when something else would catch her eyes, like, okay, well, get ready. She's moving. She's moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very disconcerting when you're in the bow seat and you can't see what's going on behind you. It, you suddenly, you just feel the whole canoe shift to the side. It's like, whoa! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Ariana was not happy. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't see it. She wouldn't know what's coming. Right. So she's like, "Oh man!" Well, and that's exactly because if I'm in the back seat, I can't grab the dog. Yeah. So that's why I had her come closer to me. Yeah. And she has her life jacket on. It's got the handles on it. Oh yeah. So yeah, I can yeah. just grab her handle and yeah. And swing her butt around so we weren't yeah. heavy on one side yeah. sort of thing. So, you know, I think at the end she was getting the handling of it. She had no problems getting in from a dock. Okay. No problems yeah. getting out from from back onto the dock, that sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. usually we're going in from the end or something, right? Exactly, yes. So, yeah, she had no problem. And all I had to mount up and, yeah. and she went. Mm-hmm. So she's got that down. So, yeah. It was fun. It was awesome. It was great. We didn't die. That's all I aim for every day. Uh, all right. Well, we got a few things to talk about today. Yes. Yeah. A whole load of stuff to, to talk about. This one's going to turn some heads. Now, I guess turn some heads. This one's going to cause you some debate. Have, yes. You, yeah. So there's a lot of people with strong opinions and, uh, and half of you are wrong. Half you are wrong, the other half might be right. I'd say anybody who is uh, opposed to it would be probably in the 60 to 70% range. Then there's a whole bunch of people who just don't care. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who think that this is what you should be doing in life. Right. And it's like, no, no, you're wrong. See it on the side of the highway all the time, driving up the 401, up the 400. Or, you know, you get into Northern Terror, Highway 11, it's like, uh, 
another idiot up there building the nookshooks and cairns and it's like why and who has time to stop on the side of the trans-canada highway climb up on a rock face and and build a rock cairn right who's time for that that's what i've always wondered like okay so we're gonna pull over to the side road and have a pee and oh well we're here just take an hour and build Let's a cairn build ourselves a nookshook <laughs> here and make people think hey that's an authentic one yeah <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, that happened. There's a food cache here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hikers who frequent state and national parks, and this is from the U.S., are likely familiar with the site of rock cairns, which are those artfully stacked piles of rocks left by previous visitors. And while they might add a touch of novelty to the landscape, officials at Yosemite, in my world known as Yowsmite. Yowsmite. <laughs> Uh, Yosemite National Park are now encouraging everyone to knock them over as part of leave no trace ethics of visiting these protected areas. So I've been saying this for ages. It's only a matter of time before someone steps up and starts saying, okay, you know what? A, stop it. B, Mm -hmm. if you see it, knock it over. Knock it over. Mm -hmm. Uh, In recent Facebook posts, Yosemite National Park officials explained the rationale behind this stance. When we recreate in wilderness, uh, sorry, recreate uh, in wilderness spaces, our goal is to leave no signs of our impact on the land and respect other creatures living in it. Fair enough. Right. Uh, Now, the park emphasized that, you know, such cairns are an indicator of human impact and can disrupt the habitat of small insects, reptiles, microorganisms that call the wilderness home. And by dismantling rock cairns, visitors contribute to the restoration of the natural wilderness. And there's funny because there was somebody had posted, if you go to Tea Lake Dam in mm-hmm. Algonquin Park, okay. you can pull, you pull right in there. It's a picnic area, that sort of stuff. Nice little dam there and rapids underneath. There are dozens of them built in the water. Oh, yeah. People go out there and they build these on the rocks, mm. right? And somebody posted saying we should be knocking stuff like that over and, you know, the insects and stuff using like the dragonfly nymphs and stuff, you know, that's where their eggs are underneath and other aquatic creatures plant their eggs underneath and you're pulling up this rock and now all of a sudden it's destroyed their habitat and killed them and blah, blah, blah. Well, they're better than that. They're more hardy than that. Hmm. You get the both sides, right? I see it as when I go into the backcountry, when I go on hikes, when I do stuff like this, I want to see the naturalness. I want Mm -hmm. to be out in the outdoors. It's like it's doing something like that is like, you know, you have a nice little community, a village, a town, whatever, and somebody puts in a condo. It's like, oh, I want the illusion that I'm the only one that's been there. I know I'm not the only one there, but I don't want, hey, yeah, look at this beautiful river, except for that big pile of rocks somebody's built over there because, you know. The bears didn't do that. Yes, exactly. Um, Yosemite is not the only park addressing the issue. Queensland National Parks in Australia has expressed concerns about rock cairns as well and have classified them as vandalism. Yes. Park urges visitors not to indulge in creating rock stacks for mere pleasure since it disturbs the natural environment that the parks are dedicated to safeguarding. To deter unauthorized construction, fines may be issued to those who violate this rule. Nice. Right? So that's, like I say, the U.S. is starting this. uh, Australia is starting this. Yeah. Of course, it's important to know local rules. Not all parks have the same guidelines. Cairns are frequently used for navigation purposes, safety, and marking trails. So you definitely don't want to be knocking down a park-created cairn. Uh, Woodland Caribou is a good example. Uh, There's certain portages, and you have to look for either blazes on a tree Mm -hmm. or a little cairn of rocks on on the shore that marks where the portage is. So you don't want to be knocking those yeah, down because yeah, yeah. then yeah. no one knows where the portage is, right? Exactly. And I've been in sections of Tomogamy where you're going through a sparse forest, mostly open mm-hmm. open land, and there's no place. It's bare rock. Yeah. So it's like, where? Oh, I see a pile of rocks over there. Head for the pile of rocks. rocks. Yeah. So, so sometimes they're purposeful, but when you see them just randomly put up or somebody builds 10 of them in a row, it's like, am I supposed to go that way or is mm-hmm. that somebody just playing so then you follow the cairn and it's like, okay, this is not the trail. So you have to track back and find the official cairn and realize some idiot is making cairns to draw you off into the woods and 
It's like, come on, people. Yeah. Uh, constructing a cairn of your own may lead someone down the wrong path, which increases the chance of an emergency. Unofficial stats can be confused under those relying on them for wayfinding, potentially leading them astray and causing dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. To ensure the park's ecological balance remains undisturbed and that everyone stays safe, rock cairns should only be built by trained rangers and trail workers. If you're not sure of local rules or if the cairn in question serves a purpose, follow this rule of thumb. When in doubt, leave it alone and definitely don't build one. Exactly. So, yeah, there's one that you, if you're on a trip and you see, yeah, there's a cairn that's supposed to be there, make note of Mm -hmm. where it is. And then when you get to the permit office at the end of your trip going, is that supposed to be there? Because I wasn't sure. Yeah. And it I, led uh, me astray. It led me astray. And, and, and next time they'll, they'll put on their, their notes saying, hey, when you go here, there's some Karen. Make sure you break the Karens. Yeah. Because somebody just made them there. Karens have been used for centuries to mark sacred spaces. So this announcement has sparked controversy between park officials and those who recognize the historical and spiritual significance of Karens. However, it's crucial for visitors to respect and adhere to park rules. Yes. So, yeah, like I say, if you're not sure, don't. Don't knock them down don't knock them if down, you're not sure. it could be, like you say, historical. Yeah. My big thing would be don't build one. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've, I've seen a bunch of T-shirts being offered now saying official Cairn kicker. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. And there's, a, there's a, a pile of stones and somebody's foot. Foot flying. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there. If you're not sure, and you're in an area that could possibly be um, sacred sites and stuff like that, yes. historical significance. Yeah, just so keep sure. On going. If in if in question, don't knock it down, but don't build one. Yeah. Uh, if a park encourages the removal of cairns, feel free to participate in the restoration efforts and knock them over so they don't mislead anyone or disrupt nature. Most importantly, avoid building your own, even if the park does not have a policy to prohibit it. Embracing leave-no-trace principles will ensure that our treasured parks remain as undisturbed as possible for future generations to enjoy. And I mean, the ones you're seeing, like I say, the Tea Lake Dam, when you're seeing 20 of them, yeah, I don't know that those are like historical yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, official. Yeah. You know, yeah, I just kept going in a circle in this one twenty-foot section of the river. <laughs> I didn't know where to go. <laughs> Don't build rock cairns. Yes. You don't have to destroy them if you don't believe in destroying them, but don't build one. Yeah. Don't Simple. Pots. Yeah. Don't get pots. Uh, so, I was thinking about Kevin Callan on this one just because it has to deal with whiskey. <laughs> of course. What could be better than Kevin Callan taking his whiskey on a backcountry trip? while paddling a canoe made from whiskey barrels. Mm-hmm. So used whiskey barrels have been repurposed into a lot of different things before, from sneakers to clocks to charcuterie boards. You know what a charcuterie board is. I do. Good Lord knows you bring enough of it on the backcountry. <laughs> it's fun. Stranahan's Colorado Whiskey has taken things to a new level by collaborating with Sanborn Canoe Company. I was going to wear my Sanborn Canoe Company shirt today, and I mm-hmm. totally forgot. Uh, on a new canoe that's made from part of barrels used to age and dis- the distillery's American single malt. Merrimack and Stranahan's Blue Peak Canoe is custom built from barrel staves, metal hoops, and lids uh, into a 14-foot, 6-inch Tennessean tandem solo canoe, one of the company's signature designs. Now, according to Sanborn, the American oak barrels are first drained of whiskey, which, you know, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Save the whiskey. <laughs> Save the whiskey. Then disassembled and dried. Then the staves are steamed to become more flexible and flattened into boards. Stranahan uh, ages its single malt whiskey in new charred oak barrels, the same type that uh, bourbon is matured in. So the char is then stripped off most of the staves to reveal new wood underneath. Some are left with the char intact. Uh, The boards are coated with resin because oak is porous, a positive when it comes to aging whiskey, not so much when you're trying to build a boat. Uh, You know, the water soaks into it, makes it heavier, a la birch bark canoe days. When I started this trip, my canoe was 50 pounds, and now it's 120. Right? Stays are also used for the seats and paddles. Barrel lids uh, are shaped into deck pieces, and the metal hoops are fashioned into end caps. Uh, There is a video that shows 
a little video that they've done for this. We're going to post that on our yeah. Our Very Facebook impressive page canoes. Now. They're really nice looking. They do. Uh, you can purchase one. The Stranahan's X Sanborn Canoe directly from the SanbornCanoe.com site. Uh, five thousand eight hundred forty-five bucks, but allow six to eight weeks because each one is custom built. Yeah, made to order. So six grand. That's American. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you need some deep That's pockets. $50,000 Canadian. I wonder if it, does it come with a bottle of whiskey? I'm thinking it should come with an old somebody to paddle it for you. <laughs> that price. Uh, I got to think they would do something like that. It'd be cool to do that. Here's your canoe and here's some whiskey. Yeah. Right? This The barrel that this whiskey came out of made that canoe. Mm-hmm. The whiskey that was matured in these barrels is Stranahan's Blue Peak, a four-year-old single malt that is finished using the Solera method. This means that whiskey is put into large oak barrels for a few months to finish after initial maturation. The barrels are never fully emptied, so there's always a portion of older whiskey that works its way into the blend that ends up in the bottle. Interesting. Kevlar carbon fiber hull makes the canoe strong yet lightweight. Of course, it features the amazing woodwork Merrimack is known for. Special appointments include genuine whiskey barrel oak decks, handles, seats, and yoke. This is the canoe built for someone who wants something truly special and unique, not found anywhere else, which is cool. It is very cool. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're taking that around and people are saying, ooh, that's a nice. Yeah, those are made from oak yeah. barrels and that's oak mm-hmm. barrels and that's oak barrels. And, uh, Kevlar carbon fiber composites with wood ribs and trim work. Thirty uh, Beam is 35 inches, depth 11 and a half inches. Uh, bow height is 20 inches. It's 14 and a half feet long, approximately 46 pounds. That's not bad. Capacity, 625 pounds. That's a lot. That's a good, yeah. good, good, uh, good size boat. I would prefer a 16. Footer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, add another foot yeah. and a half. That surprise, that actually does make a big difference sometimes. But yeah, that sounds like a good boat if anybody wants to buy me one. So what's a tandem solo? Why did they say tandem you solo? You can paddle tandem Both? or you can go solo. Is that solo. what it means? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's 14.5 because it's also considered a solo boat. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. So the video shows them breaking the barrels and and uh, steaming them and flattening them and cutting them into pieces and showing the finished product. And yes. Paddling down yeah. the river. And yeah, so I saw it's, that video. It's a really, cool. really sweet one. But, yeah, a whiskey barrel canoe. The dog's on the move. Oh, she just no, dropped she's just wandering. End. Yeah, she's just wondering, make sure nobody's eating something and dropping food. <laughs> just she's just checking things out, yeah. make sure she hasn't hasn't woken up from a nap and missed something. <laughs> I haven't done my rounds and routines in a while. I better go around a routine and yeah. see if uh, anybody's dropped something. Keep Derek on his toes. <laughs> uh, to do, do another video we're going to post. This one's been making the rounds, but you got to <laughs> see it. I feel so bad for this guy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I enjoy getting out in the water in my canoe and dropping a fishing line. And with me, and I've said it a billion times, if I catch something awesome, if I don't, that's okay too. If I'm with people, as long as other people are catching something, yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm good with that. And uh, it's just fun practicing or playing and casting and yeah. seeing if you can hit some little spot of water. And that's most of the time what I'm out there for. And it's like cherry on the cake if uh, if I catch something. Right. Like say, that's why it's called fishing, not catching. Mm-hmm. For others, though, and I know a few people, uh, after the enjoyment of being outdoors wears off, it's all about the fishing and hopefully the catching. Mm-hmm. I know a few people um, that I'm related to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fishing's bad. Yeah, we might as well just go back to shore because it's not. We're gonna done end here. Well. We're done. there's no fish in this lake. <laughs> you know. Uh, pure joy when you land that fish and pure disappointment it gets off your line before you get in the boat. Oh, yes. We know that feeling. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that will move you from zero to a hundred faster than losing that big, big fish at the last second. It's almost in the boat. Right. It goes one little kick and all of a sudden, wow, what happened? It's out of the net or it's bounced off of something and out over the gunnels or or whatever, (laughs) right? Yeah. So there's this video of this man trying to land this. It's a big fish. It's huge. It's it's huge. Yeah. Uh, It's making, this video's making its round on social media. 
it shows a scene of excitement, struggle, and heartbreak. <laughs> All in the matter of a few seconds. The video is a minute and five seconds long. But it feels like it's an right? hour. It feels like oh, it's like oh, look at that! It's so exciting. It's like a clip from like the like the Super Bowl, or it's like woo, and then you know tragedy and yeah. <laughs> so the clip starts out with this guy. He's hooked this large fish. He's reeling it into the canoe side. All he has to do is get it out of the water. Yeah. He's using a net that's maybe a bit too small for yep. this. Because you can tell he wasn't expecting to catch something It's a big, big fish. Right? Uh, so he just couldn't get the, the thing fully inside of the net to stay proper. As the fish is thrashing in the water, the hook comes out of its mouth. Yep. It's in the net. So, you know, he just puts his pole down next to him. Yeah. Not realizing <laughs> he's not... That the 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 reel isn't actually inside the boat. No. <laughs> so when he lets go of it, thinking it's going to hit the floor, sploosh. Yeah. He just drops it in the lake, right into the lake, <laughs> right to the bottom. And you can see him react instantly. He's looking at the fish. He goes, "What did I just?" And he quickly whips yeah. his head to the left. Is like, oh. <laughs> so at that moment, he knows the only thing left to do is, you know what? Just get the fish in. Save the fish. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. do. But the fish leaps out of the net. Yes. <laughs> so he's lost the reel. He's lost the fish. He's looking both sides, thinking hopefully he can paddle over, maybe get yeah. the his lines floating and it's maybe not as deep or something. But uh, you can see he's totally devastated. But then he realizes the fish is still on the surface of the water. So it's all sluggish and it's passed under the canoe onto the other side. When I first saw it, I thought he was reaching into the water to net his, his fishing rod. Right. So he gets the net, scoops up the fish, and the fish starts struggling. The net rips, <laughs> and the fish slips through a second time, but this time he swims away. Yeah. The look of devastation. And disgust. It's just, just like. It's, it's hard to watch. And he just, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't throw the net. He just slams it into the canoe behind him onto the floor yeah. of the canoe. <laughs> but he, he clearly thought. This is going to be one of my all-time greatest fishing stories. The epic. biggest fish I ever caught. <laughs> it was epic. I got the GoPro going. It's going to see me catching this fish. I'm going to put it on you know, social media so yeah, all my yeah. friends can see. Wow, <laughs> dude. And it just went from zero yeah. to 100 right there. <laughs> so, yeah, he puts his, his, his net behind him, and he just looks at the camera. GoPro, stop recording. But the GoPro does not stop recording. We've run into this. Yeah. So he says it a second time, and you can tell he's he's had enough. He's had enough. He is pissed right <laughs> off. Like, if anything else could go wrong. I'm surprised he didn't swear. Not even once. I think he said the F-bomb once. Did he? Yeah, I once. It. But if it was me, there would have been a whole lot more. <laughs> there would have been a napalm. The video would be F-bomb. unwatchable. It would be a solid <laughs> <laughs> So his sister, I guess, is the one she, she got the video. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, you know, he finally gave them, because he said, no one's ever going to see this. No one. <laughs> so she finally got permission and, and he says now he's able to laugh at it but right after this he paddled back to his tent and just laid down for a few hours <laughs> <laughs> he was what, he was bro- he was a broken man what are you gonna do like you just you just yeah f it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and you, and you can picture him if he was camping with buddies yeah going back hey how is fishing I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> We're not And just go this. straight past them <laughs> into the tent, never to return for four or five hours, right? And you know they they, they would all know. Oh. But just watch it, man. My heart broke for that guy. <laughs> the roller coaster of emotions in one minute. Yeah. You know, from joy to heartbreak to joy to utter devastation. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Like, you just want to reach out and give dude a hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, wow. Like I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post a link for this one as well. And it's just like, oh, I felt so bad for the guy. I got sent this one about five times. Yeah. <laughs> just, hey, have you seen this? You know, anything with a canoe I get sent, right? But. It's like, oh, no, dude. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, we were, where were we? We were on 
the Spanish River. Anyways, it was Martin Garster. He was he was in his canoe just below a set of rapids in a pool, and uh, we're all circling, we're all fishing, we're all casting. Scott wasn't casting. I don't think Scott was fishing. But anyways, Martin needed to position his canoe, so he rested the canoe sideways across the two gunnels. So he's, he put the rod down, and he was moving the canoe to a position, and you could see the rod. It shot out of the canoe so fast. It just went, doink, and it was gone. And it was like, what happened? <laughs> Something bit onto that hook, and it took that rod away from him it just went zook gone. <laughs> so fast gone like and so time. the water was only like like we, the water was only like four or so feet deep so we were we were paddling in circles trying to find the rod and i just bought that it was a 200 plus dollar <laughs> rod and reel and <laughs> it's like oh man i felt bad for him like we were we we're just barely into the trip and and <laughs> that was not his trip <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, the the rod just ejected so quickly from the canoe. You could tell something had grabbed it. Yeah, yeah. Like I we were always, in a calm pool and it just went doink. <laughs> yeah, never, never let your rod just yeah, yeah. sit there. Yeah, yeah. Without, Keep, yeah. Put it in the in the in the armpit of your knee or whatever you want to call yeah. it. In your knee pit. Your knee pit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stick that in your knee pit. Yeah, I need some underneath deodorant. <laughs> Uh, sorry for this uh, guy's bad luck, but hopefully that just means he gets to go back and he knows there's big ones there now. Yes. So he's going to go back and. So I, I was just like. With when, a different net. When I watched the video, I think, and he couldn't have choreographed this any better. It was just this, it was like a Benny Hill skit. It was right? like, it just kept playing and there was a new thing every few seconds. It's like, oh, that's, oh, that, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Put some <laughs> Benny Hill music to that and he, video. And he just reaches over to put the rod down and it's like, in the water. It's like. <laughs> yeah. And he knew instantaneously. What oh he yeah, he looked. He's like, oh. And then he's focused on getting the fish. And... But we've all done something stupid like that. Oh yeah. Now oh, yeah. Well, he just put that down. <laughs> there's nothing there you go to put like the jug of milk on the counter and it's like oh there was no counter there yeah oh, <laughs> wonder who moved that <laughs> who moved the counter when i wasn't looking uh, yeah. um another thing i've seen uh, a lot of posts and people have been sending me some pictures so you guys should talk about this so i'm not going to get right into it because you know campers you see pictures of uh people uh at summer camps Okay. And they like go... Kids and like kids, a kids, kids camp? Kids yeah. camps, yeah. And you see the camp, the older campers are going out for their week-long canoe trip or whatever. Okay. So there's three or four canoes going. And, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes two to, two to three people per canoe. Been seeing a lot of pictures of them. And I've been, like I say, some people have sent them and, and other people. I've been on sites going, oh, look at these people going. And they're kids from the local kids camp and they're off on their week-long trip. No PFDs on mm. You'd think that'd be a rule at a summer camp. You'd think. Well, apparently it is. You have to be wearing it at all times. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's usually I've seen a, this over the years, too. And yeah. I've said a couple of things to a couple of people, and that gets to the point where it's just like, mm-hmm. they're just, they're teenagers. They, they're, yep. you know, invincible. So, but, uh, but on the other hand, I've seen a lot more wearing them than I've seen not wearing them. It is so. becoming more common. Like, I remember when... Like, for example, bike helmets or ski helmets. Like, mm-hmm. when everything had their day. So, I remember as a kid, nobody ever wore a bicycle helmet. And then it no. just became common and everybody wore the bike helmets. Uh, but one thing I noticed even more is that on ski hills, like, you never used to people... Like, if somebody wore a helmet, you think, oh, is he racing or whatever? But now it's like... It's like an it's an accessory. Everybody's got a helmet on. Yeah, it's very uncommon to see anybody on a ski hill without a helmet. Yeah, see, it, when I skied, I never wore a helmet. When I rode my bicycle, I still got scars on my hands from when I <laughs> rode a bike and went butt over tea kettle yeah, there yeah. and uh, into a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a jump. No car hit me. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, yeah, we, we yeah. didn't have those. and But it's it's becoming more and more common. It's like seatbelts. Like for me, I, I don't get into it. If, if I were to move like across a parking lot, I still put on my seatbelts. It feels weird not to have it on. Doesn't it though? Yeah. Yeah. So like I say, I mean, people have sent me messages saying, you guys should talk about this mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I've, I've seen a lot more kids 
wearing the life jackets than not yes. wearing, but and it's a good trend. You know, it, it is a good trend to uh, to be seeing. That's for sure. Oh, I found a new place. We need to go. It involves scenery. It involves travel. Okay. It involves food. Oh, food that, and French wine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oui. Mais oui. Uh, the food, the wine, the paddling, the canoe <laughs> over in France. Okay. Yeah, now Quebec, buddy. We're going a bit farther than Quebec on this one. Uh, you ever hear of Rick Steves? He's no. one of those travel guys. He has all these videos. He travels all over the world making videos of. He's a YouTuber. No, no. He's well, a- he does YouTube stuff, but no, he's he's an author and like if you want to know what's available to do, if you want to go on okay. a tour to some country. You type in like Rick Steves Iceland, mm-hmm. and he'll. There's a video he's done because he's gone there. Oh, okay, and it's, it's it's. I think it used to be a weekly TV travel series show. Okay, right. Yeah. So he does these travel series videos, and I came across one here, and he he wrote this article about the the video because the the video and the article is sort of uh, they're separate, but they're, they're. I think he just took his. Um, script from the video and turned it into an article. Okay. Uh, he says, a reader once asked me, if I were to bring my spry 73-year-old grandmother to Europe, where would I go? My response, Francis Dordogne River Valley. Valley. I'd take her for a lazy canoe ride down the river, then cap the day with a great riverside meal with the finest glass of French red wine she's ever had. It sounds very nice. Doesn't it? Oh, I tell you. <laughs> Whether young or old, visitors to the Dordogne are easily charmed by its unforgettable blend of village charm and scenic landscapes. Its highlights include villages seemingly carved out of the rock, prehistoric cave paintings, floats along the river, cute farmhouses perched amid fertile fields, and a local cuisine that brings together all the best f- about French food. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, so apparently all we're going to be doing this week is posting videos about stuff we've talked about this <laughs> week. <laughs> so there is, there is like a half hour video that, yeah. that he's done on this area. Yeah, to see that. This sounds really awesome. But there awesome. is 170 kilometers that you can paddle. On the Dordogne? Yeah, on the Dordogne. And there's different camps, uh, sites uh, that you can, campgrounds that you can stay at and stuff like that. Uh, and I showed you the one camp, there's a campsite. And then you look up the river and there's a big hill and there's this village with this massive medieval castle on top. That area was part of the Hundred Years' War and that castle went back and forth between France and and England. Oh, okay. And to the point where the the king would, there's a door and he would open the door and it's up a little ways up the wall and all the, the village people would be there and he would say, you are all French. (laughs) <laughs> or depending if you know yeah, who, depending who had it you are all english <laughs> deal with it <laughs> so so there's all that history stuff there yeah. uh he says when i'm here one of my rituals is exploring the riverside castles and villages via canoe i can't think of a more relaxing way to, uh, to enjoy great scenery while getting some exercise delights are revealed around each bend and you can pop ashore wherever you like there's always a place to stow the canoe and plenty of welcoming villages. Two of the most picturesque are La Roque, Gujac. 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 says Jacques Rangeac. Oh, Gujac. That was it. Gujac. Yeah, I'm just going to butcher all the names here. <laughs> uh, a strong contender for, contender for cutest town in France and Bainac. A well-preserved medieval village that winds like a sepia-tone film set from the river to the castle above. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you can just... And there's places that will rent you canoes. And you can do day trips. There's multi-day trips that you can do with a, 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 a different company. Or, you know, they you can arrange, I'm going to rent your canoe. I'm going to go, you know, 10 miles down. And they'll arrange to pick you up there yep. and bring you back. That sort of stuff. Uh, on one particularly memorable day, I enjoyed a perfect storm of travel thrills. Pulling my canoe up in Bainac, I hiked up to the brooding cliff-clinging castle. This is how he talks to all his stuff. 
Uh, and the noble lady of the castle herself sold me a ticket to enter and prowl around. It was like stepping back into medieval times. The castle was lit with little oil lamps, puddles of light giving the spiral staircase a visual rhythm. In the night's mess hall, it felt as if the cooks had just taken a break. They show the table where the, the knights would eat. Mm-hmm. And there's these slots at the end of the table. For swords? Swords. Yeah. I never <laughs> knew that. Uh, to step back even farther in time, you can visit one of the others, the area's prehistoric caves uh, on the cliffs. The honeycombed and painted caves are unique to the to the planet. Long before Stonehenge and before Egyptian pyramids, back when the mammoth and saber-toothed cats still roamed the earth, prehistoric people painted deep inside these grottos. Most famous paintings are oh, Lascaux. I've heard of this. Yeah. Discovered accidentally in 1940 by four kids and their dog. Because, you know, and the dog. <laughs> Got to mention the dog. Got to mention the dog. <laughs> paintings in the Lascaux caves quickly degenerated as more than a million people climbed through this prehistoric wonderland. Just 15 years, the precious art deteriorated more than during the 15,000 previous years. All the people breathing in there. Well, and that's what they said. The, 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 their feet were dragging in fungus. Yeah. Their breathing was causing moisture. Yeah. And it was damaging everything. Uh, thankfully, the original caves were closed to the public. And experts perfectly recreate the paintings with the same dyes, tools, and techniques used to make the originals. Uh, descriptions of the caves' impressiveness sounds like an overstatement until you see them in person. The Lascaux main caverns are more than a football field long. Wow, that's huge. Hundreds of animal animal figures, horses, deer, bison, etc. Painted high up on walls and ceilings are monumental. One bull is 17 feet long. <laughs> Michelangelo of cavemen. Huge, yeah. And in the video, they show they show this stuff in the video, so it's like, wow. Uh, nearby is La Roque de Saint-Christopher. Christophe. 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 Uh, a series of river-carved terraces which had provided shelter for 55,000 years. While the terraces have been inhabited as far back as prehistoric times, the information and reconstructions presented inside focus on the Middle Ages when people settled here to steer clear of Viking raiders sailing up the river. Which, yeah, I mean, so you'd be sitting there and they they say they have watchtowers Mm -hmm. and you can see the Vikings coming. So they'd haul everything up, right? And watch the, I mean, they're that close to the river. So when you're paddling down in a canoe and you can just see all this yeah. stuff, you just hop your huh. canoe up on shore and go take a little, you know, a little looky-loo. And uh, when the raiders came, residents yeah, gathered their kids, hauled up their animals and pulled up the ladders. And while there's nothing old here except the gouged out rock, the family-friendly exhibit makes it easy to imagine the entire village. That would be so cool to see. Yeah. And though unique for the prehistoric sites, the Dordogne is typically French when it comes to the flair for food. Gourmet eaters flock here for its goose, duck, wild mushrooms, uh, the truffles, walnuts, and more. That's what it says. It's That area is known for walnuts, mm-hmm. um, truffles, which are only in winter. So oh. when he's doing his little tour there, it's summer. So he says you won't see them now. Yeah. And their um, duck and goose liver, their foie gras. Yeah, that that thing, the frog grass or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Duck livers and pâtés and stuff like that. One way to enjoy a marvelous cuisine is to visit a few markets where you'll find fresh veggies, truffles, foie gras, Gras. cheese. Uh, Dordogne is famous for its goat cheese. Uh, and France tastiest strawberries. Apparently it's There's the best fra- strawberries in France. Apparently from canoes to cave art to cheese. The Dordogne is a rich brew of nature, culture, and cuisine. That sounds amazing. It really does. That's a new bucket list. Right. Item. I mean, we, we talk about these things and it's just like, you know, like in, in Portugal going up Porto, mm-hmm. you know, from Porto up the river yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff, yeah. catching the train and coming back to Porto, you know, stuff like that. And just, the historical things, just pulling over at the riverside and going to see these things. Yeah, I know, right? You know, all these historical. Now, sites. there's a, a couple of towns they say, you know, there's nothing that stands out as this is an awesome, I got to go see this big church or something like mm-hmm. that. But they're just nice small towns, towns to go to, maybe nice grab to a in. meal or something and like baguette. Or, yeah, yeah, see the people, that sort of deal. But uh, yeah, pretty neat. Mm. Wow. So we're going to France next. Yeah. <laughs> which just happens to be near. Spain and Portugal. 
There you go. Right? See? See? <laughs> we, we need five weeks off. Yeah, yeah. Can I get a, can I get like a half a year off? Man, when I retire, I've got to start making a list. <laughs> just going to have this map. I'm just going from place yeah. to place to place. Yeah, to place I know, to place right? To place. If only. Yeah. Uh, remember we talked about water trails in Michigan? Yeah. Was that two weeks ago? Yeah. Was it last like week or two? Recently. Weeks? Yeah, recently. Beaver Island Water Trail. So I was looking into a couple of these trails to see about maybe doing some battling that way. It's a 42-mile waterway around the largest island in Lake Michigan, which takes paddlers past lighthouses, coastal wetlands, sand dunes, rocky shores, and over shipwrecks, which is cool because I, I always remember going to Tobamori when we kayak there and you see the, the shipwrecks under the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? You paddle, you're within a few feet of them. Yeah. Uh, and you can see them and, and all that. And then you throw the, the GoPro underwater and get the video of it and all that just because it's nice, clear water. Uh, trail was designated in 2018 and was developed by the Land Information Access Association local community stakeholders with State Office of Great Lakes funding. Starts at the Beaver Island Community Center in the village of St. James and circumnavigates the 56-square-mile Beaver Island. Uh, island is the largest in an archipelago of 14 islands in northern Lake Michigan. Weather can change a lot day to day from perfect summer days to with wa- uh, calm water, uh, followed the next by six foot waves and 20 mile an hour winds. So it's just like Lake Superior. <laughs> Uh, most of the trail is geared towards experienced paddlers who are prepared to handle the unpredictable conditions on Lake Michigan, uh, are comfortable with rustic camping, and who can survive without cellular service. <laughs> There's a biggie these days. At times, fog can be so thick the farthest you can see is down. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can see my feet. I can see my feet, and that's about it. Throughout the trail, the landscape changes from populated shorelines on the north end, where the village and most homes are located, to a wilderness on the south end. Once away from people, the island's rich biodiversity comes into focus. You can hear loon calls, watch bald eagle fly overhead, or beach the kayak and hike inland to see rare wildflowers and historical sites. In places like Little Iron Ore Bay, and this is the one... This is why I'm I'm contemplating this. Uh, Little Iron Ore Bay and French Bay along the island's southern end, shipwrecks are visible in water shallow enough to see them by snorkel or freediving. The wreck of the Bessie Smith lies in two pieces under 10 to 15 feet of water in Little Iron Ore Bay and just outside of the harbor about 1,000 feet off the end of Grant's Road, a group of old cars and trucks were sunk in shallow water years ago to create an artificial reef. Huh. How eerie would that be? Yeah. Paddling along, you look down. There's a car. There's a whole load of cars and trucks (laughs) down there. What's with that? But you see, people do strange stuff like that. In Florida, there's a lot of... like I've seen a lot of uh, scuba videos and paddling videos where... At the bottom of, just off of the Florida Keys, there's like these concrete mannequins standing there in circles or or this random statue underwater. And it's like, people do these weird things. They just drop stuff to the bottom and and people get to come find it. Right? That's, yeah, just weird, man. Too many weird <laughs> things going on. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm thinking we need to go paddle Michigan. We know a lot of people over there, too. And we were there at, uh, what is the Dunes National Park? Yeah. Which um, is, we should have been able to see, well, Beaver Island is too far away. Yeah, I think you need to go a bit uh, farther along than that one, than, than there to yeah. get to it. So, I think maybe we get some friends together and go paddle Lake Michigan. I don't. I won't be able to do it this year, but maybe next year we... Make some new friends in France and right? go paddle... Uh, oh, yeah. Dordogne. Yeah, who wants to? Who wants? Uh, who's in France the, that uh, wants us to <laughs> we, come over and visit? Yeah, we'll come visit right? you in the Dordogne River Valley. See? That'd be awesome. <laughs> that's that's the that's the ticket. <laughs> have you heard about Toronto's Love Park? I have not until you mentioned it. I didn't know it existed. I did not until I saw this article that happened. 
Toronto's new Love Park. Now you know they're getting rid of like got rid of part of the gardener, right? Yeah. And they're putting in all kinds of funky new bridges and yeah, all this weird stuff. So Toronto's new Love Park on York Street and Queens Quay, uh, spelled Q U A Y, which threw me for a loop for many years when I first moved to Toronto. Queens Quay, two acre or eight thousand square meter. Part features cafe-style cafe tables, nine bronze-cast animals, and an off-leash area for dogs. It has a huge heart-shaped pond with a small island in the middle. They preserved the large catalpa tree that was growing there when they built the park, and it bloomed while they, well, when they opened the park. This uh, It just opened in June. Yeah, and and it just so happened... The tree bloomed just yes. in time for the grand opening. And it's, I'm looking at a picture of it now. It's similar to the, you know, in uh, Queens Park, Toronto, where they, the little pond there that uh, the people skate on in the winter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, and, this it's is, and they got the big Toronto sign there. Yeah, so yeah. this here is like just one of those little yeah. water feature pools. Yep. Yeah. But it's in the shape of a giant red heart. heart. Yeah. Right? New public space has proven a hit among visitors, including one who took their enjoyment of the park a bit far on a Monday morning. We figure everybody's going to work on a Monday morning. Bringing an inflatable raft and paddling leisurely around the decorative <laughs> pond. And this is like a big raft you're going to see, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, Love Park opened in late June on a former footprint of the Gardner Expressway off-ramp uh, has quickly become a local focal point. Uh, for pedestrians, dog owners, and apparently personal watercraft enthusiasts as well. <laughs> a video shared online shows a person paddling around the pond using an inflatable raft. The person who captured the brief clip said that at the time of the recording, the rogue rafter had been there for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> just laying there, and just drifting around, yeah, paddling yeah. around this. I mean, it's not a massively, not massively big. thing, but... Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, ja Jacqueline Carlisle, and this is, you know what, was it Mayor ba Barbara Hall got mad at the bare naked ladies? Is that Barbara Hall? I don't remember. For what? The mayor, she was mayor of Toronto, got, I think she was mayor at the time, got mad because the bare naked ladies, what kind of band name oh. is that? That is <laughs> yes. degrading. And it was the best uh media oh, that they ever got and they hype. just took yeah. off after that bare naked ladies giggle snicker yeah, yeah. right uh yeah and i'm thinking i'm hoping that <laughs> i'm kind of hoping this is the same thing but not <laughs> so jacqueline carlisle media relations and issues management advisor for the city of toronto confirmed that such activity is a no-no so we're talking there's going to be a whole raft, fun. pardon the pun. <laughs> There's going to be a whole <laughs> raft, raft of people pretty soon. Uh, saying that the, while we welcome Torontonians showing Love Park some love, pleasure and paddlecraft are not permitted within the pond. You should have just... <laughs> should have just ignored <laughs> it. should have just ignored it. Yeah. Carlisle reminds hopeful boaters of the painfully obvious fact that a freaking great lake exists just <laughs> meters south of the park. There's a lake right <laughs> over there. Saying that, with more than 45 kilometers of Lake Ontario shoreline and a nearby archipelago making up Toronto Island Park, we ask that the public make use of the ample opportunities the city has to offer for urban paddling. <laughs> you should have shut up when you had the chance. The novelty of paddling in something like that, though. Yeah. Like, it's hard to resist. Like, uh, somebody's going to walk down there with an Oru kayak or something. And you're not damaging an inflatable it. paddle board. You're just floating in water. Right? You put a dent in the water. <laughs> oh, you rogue. Uh, Carlisle further directs anyone interested in legally getting some time on the water to a City of Toronto page offering more information on where to paddle, including officially sanctioned launch locations. That's awesome. So... So now there's going to be a lot of paddlers. I'm not going to tell everybody <laughs> to go down there and paddle. <laughs> but how can you not? But, you know... <laughs> Show some love. <laughs> Show some love to Love Park. This is not an officially sanctioned event. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? 
<laughs> it was a Wednesday. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, but yeah, you know what? Like, if if this makes the rounds, Here's people all- are going to be saying, "Well, why did you say anything?" Because now everybody's going to do it. Yeah. You should have just left it alone. It's a nice park. There's lots of bra- little brass animals. Yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Those. Yeah. They're. They're. They say there were six. Yeah. I but it looks like there's more than six. There's a fox, a rabbit, a bear, a squirrel, and they got a nice enclosed dog area. Oh, yeah. A leash free wind. Yeah. So it's, it's. There's a fence around it with a nice bench. So it's nice. There's a couple of trees and stuff. Hopefully they keep it that way because oh, there's a yeah, lot of yeah. leash free things around here that. Uh, yeah, you, you see the people. With their dogs, and they don't clean yeah, up after them. dog, and, holy cow. He's right? got a lot of fur. Yeah, that's what dogs do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's going to be dog poop everywhere. Right. So, yeah, so if you're, if you're going to Love uh, Love Park and you take your dog, make sure you stoop and scoop. And if you're taking your paddle craft, don't get caught. <laughs> make them come in and get you. It is a nice little park. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the water's all that deep. No, it looks like it's only right? like a foot or two. So if you're willing to sit there for a few hours, and the cops aren't going to come in and get you, they're going <laughs> to wait for you to come out. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so bring somebody else's boat because yeah. when they're on one side and you quickly paddle the other side and you jump out and run for it, you're not worried about losing your boat. <laughs> it's a nice little park. What a nice little area in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, brand spanking new. Just opened mm-hmm. in June. And the tree, did you see the tree? Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. tree. And it all bloomed just in time yeah. for the grand opening. Hmm. Oh, in this picture, the water's really green. Right? Oh, yeah, they had a green uh, outbreak. Is that somebody in it? No, that's a beaver. Oh, okay. It's one of those little brass One of the brass things. Creatures. I was going to say, they, <clears throat> they missed a paddler or a swimmer. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beaver out on a rock in the middle of the water. Awesome. Very, very cool. I like it. I'm going to have to go visit it. And uh, we were just down there. Trace and I were just down there. Oh, yeah? Two weeks ago. Did you go to this? No, but we oh. were around the corner from it. I didn't know yeah. it existed till I was doing after. research for this week. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you know. Uh, I got one last thing here. Lock and Paddle 2023. Oh, yes, yes. We did the nighttime. They did it last time when they did it. We, I think it was the last time they did it. It was that nighttime one. Mm-hmm. So you showed up with your your canoe and you had lights on it so it was daytime when you didn't go no but i went one time i think it was you and ariana and no No, we just went for a day paddle we went up in the lock i remember being in the lock yeah yeah it was just yeah yeah, we paddled you guys you you, yeah yeah you you guys and and you yelled at a guy going really fast on a speedboat as he passed us yeah yeah probably gave him the finger too (laughs) because you know that's what you do to get their attention (laughs) yeah um, yeah, we went, uh, we did the night, night paddle and they get like tons of, of, um, canoes yeah. and everybody lights up their canoe yeah. with different lights and, and they wear, some people wear costumes and stuff and it's a great time. Uh, this year they're just doing the daytime one. It's not the nighttime. Uh, we all hope they bring the nighttime one back. So join Parks Canada at this free community paddling event the last Saturday of summer. As together we celebrate the Peterborough Lift Lock National Historic Site and take a ride to the top, Saturday, August 26th at 3 p.m. Enjoy a paddle on the waterway alongside hundreds of colorful canoes and kayaks before we pack the world's tallest hydraulic lift lock and send you 65 feet in the air. <laughs> so when we did it, there was enough canoes because there's the two tubs, right? Yeah. We filled one tub. It went up. The other tub came down. They filled that tub. And then they leveled, switched, them, out. Le- leveled yeah. them out. Yeah. And then they the, the first tub went all the way to the bottom. Everybody paddled out. Yeah. And the other one went back to the bottom and everybody paddled out. And we went down. There, There's another lock farther down that you can either go through first and then paddle yeah. up. Or you just take out before you get to that other lock. It's a very unique experience going through those in a canoe. Because you think to yourself, well, and honestly, before I did the... Uh, Two men in a canoe with you and uh, and uh, Ben. Ben Stacy, yeah. Uh, I never even thought about that. It's like yeah, but it, it, I always thought that yeah, 
pain in the butt canoers making me operate the lift lock and whatever. And it's like, you could portage around, buddy. Right. And I thought, hey, it's so I never would have yeah, thought to but do did it. you see the stairs on that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I walked them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was a very unique experience to go through. And uh, what was it in on Canada's 150 year? All of those lift locks, the Trent Severn was free. Free. Yeah. It was free to so I I have the sticker for my canoe and and uh, so it's a summer it's the whatever year it was twenty uh, seventeen no yeah it was twenty seventeen twenty seventeen so it was a twenty seventeen which is the end of one hundred fiftieth anniversary and uh, so yeah it was a very unique experience to go through all those locks then and then the time with uh, Ben Stacy and mm-hmm. it was very cool it was a lot of fun. I like going through locks. Hmm. It's different. Yeah. It, and there's a lot of turbulence. You don't expect it. And it's like, hang on to the rope. Why? Well, especially oh, now I know solo. why. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it even worse, right? Yeah. Uh, do, 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 where was he here? Oh, as you take a, at the top, take in a spectacular view surrounded by the sounds of music and laughter in the company of new friends and family. For this year's theme, lift your spirits. We invite you to show us what makes you happy. Decorate your vessel, wear a costume, or simply bring a smile. Uh, return to lock and paddle. I guess paddling nude makes me happy. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of disappointed people. <laughs> uh, return to lock and paddle is a joyful time to be outside on the water with your friends and family at a National Historic Site. There's a couple of rules and requirements. Which makes sense. Uh, all ages and skill levels welcome. All paddlers, passengers must wear a PFD in order to participate. Smoke-free and alcohol-free event. Respect your fellow paddlers. Visitors who do not follow the rules and requirements will not be permitted to enter the tubs. Fair enough. Uh, If you Google Lock and Paddle 2023, follow the links to the Parks Canada page. There's a ton more information like parking, launch points, all that sort of stuff, uh, which we could spend like the next half hour going Mm -hmm. over, but you guys can read. Uh, so yeah, just Google lock and paddle 2023. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I believe I'm away in Tomogamy that oh. week. Yeah. So I'm going to miss it. So that is the Saturday, August 26th. We are returning from vacation. We haven't picked the spot yet. Yes. You're, you're returning and we are leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we're only allowed to be, one of us is only allowed to be in the area. Yeah. On that, on that day. <laughs> There can be only one. There can be only one. So, <laughs> uh, and that's all I got this week. You got anything? I don't. I, I good. I'm going to mention again. So that 26 year leaving, I'm getting back on the 26, and that's also unfortunately we were invited to uh, the oh Wally Schreiber, uh the yeah. Des Moines. Des Moines. Um, is it a they're visitor opening up. They're opening. They've opened up a new uh, hiking and paddling trail mm-hmm. on the Des Moines River. So it's unfortunate that we can't make it there. It was very nice of him to invite us. I really wish I could make it, but uh, they, yeah. they're bringing back a bunch of old guides and stuff yep. like that. Yeah, to anybody who had run the river or guides for the river, it's mm-hmm. a it's a gathering. Yes. To celebrate and to you know celebrate old guides and as well as uh, celebrate the opening of the new trail. And unfortunately, our schedules do not. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Match up. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So that's all I got this week. Me too. We're just chugging along and yeah. You know, Everybody I'm, wish Athena a happy birthday. Yeah. Oh yeah. She turns one this week. Yeah. yeah. She's zonked out on the floor. Yeah, she's an old dog now. (laughs) She's almost a whole one year old. She was full of energy when I arrived. Yeah, she's she's spending her last couple hours of puppyhood. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) earn it, earn it. (laughs) Oh, she's just dreaming of the many ways she can tip us in the canoe. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to make sure we tie down every last little thing just in case. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just throw that in the bottom of the canoe. Yeah. No, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, oh, well, live and learn. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or uh, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. Is it yeah. called Twitter still? Uh, d- is, is, it still called, X? is it still called tweeting? Xing? Are we Xing now? I don't know. I don't know. Xing and O's? Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. 
We're going to be rebellious and just keep calling well, it Twitter. Well, I still call Skydome Skydome. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's been Roger Center. For 10 years now or so. Something else. Mm-hmm. Was this, uh, yeah, it wasn't there. Air was, Canada. No, Air Canada. No, that's Aki. ACC. So, yeah, it's it's been, it was what? Skydome and then it's Roger Center. I thought there was a third thing it was. No, there wasn't. But we digress. Yes. Anyway, Twitter. We're, <laughs> yeah. uh, you can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Just Google Paddling Adventures Radio. Yeah. There'll be a billion downloadable sites. Yeah. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. Yes. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. 